one, or chapter two, sorry. First John chapter two. Looking at verses 15 through 17. John here, the Apostle John here, he writes, he says, uh, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And uh, also, um, We'll come back here in just a, a little bit, so keep your place there. We'll go to Colossians chapter 3. So right after the book of Philippians is the book of Colossians. Right before Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And Paul here writes, he says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into this morning's message. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have your word. Lord, it tells us and it shows us some amazing truths of, of the Christian life and, and our walk with you and Father, this morning I ask as I preach this message about having uh, the right affections, Lord, I just ask that you would just speak to hearts. Lord, uh, the fact that there, that uh, those are here Sunday morning to hear your word, that they're here is, is, a, is a great indication. I know there's some that wish they could be here and uh, for one reason or another they're not able to. Uh, but Lord, there's some here that, uh, that, that should be here that they're just not giving any indication whatsoever about wanting to be in church. And um, Lord, uh, there's something wrong there, and we're going to look at that this morning. Father, I ask that you would just speak and have free will this morning as, as we look at these scriptures. And I ask that you would use me, Lord, this morning. Father, we love you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, so this morning, uh, Lord, let me across this message. Um, and I, I, I hope it's going to be a, a, a help to you. Uh, I might step on some toes this morning, and, and um, I do apologize if I hurt too many toes. Um, but I'm hoping that I can get our attention, our focus. And, and sometimes we just need a, a, a reset or just an encouragement that we have the right focus. And uh, this morning, um, we're looking at a, a, a subject called having the right Affections. Well, first of all, what is an affection? An affection is just another word for a passion, a desire, or an inclination towards something or someone. In the Christian life and walk, having the right affections will be one of the biggest struggles that most of us will have. Having the right affections. Every day, we're supposed to learn, and we're supposed to grow in our love for God, and we're supposed to live our life for Him, instead of loving the world and walking after it. 
That's what that's what First John chapter two was talking about. We're supposed to go for the Lord and not for the world. And the main reason why it's difficult is because we live in the world, and we and we were a part of the world before salvation. Now, I, this is kind of a funnier picture because this is really how our lives were led. You know, this is us being dragged behind the world. We just follow whatever the course of the world was. And the devil was able to manipulate us, and, and, uh, and we were at his mercy. Much like this lady is. I feel sorry for her. She's going to be. <laughs> that dog is on loose. And, um, but that's how our life was before Christ. We gave no thought about other things and what the world told us to think about. We gave no thought about um, eternity, really, for the most part. We just, our, our focus was what was in front of us, and the world was dragging us behind. That's why we have such a hard time sometimes, is because, look, we're still in the world. You know, we're still being, you know, it's still trying to pull at us. Is still trying to, to get our attention, still trying to, uh, still wants our affection. And the longer that person is saved, I think sometimes the harder, or the, the before they're saved, I think it's harder sometimes for them because there's so many pulls that their flesh was so used to. Sometimes they have so many scars because of the things that the world brought across their path. And it could be more difficult for them in some ways. But even after salvation, the world all around us calls for our attention and our affections. I mean, everywhere you go, you see advertisements for everything, both good and bad. Uh, you see, I mean, you, it's just we're just bombarded constantly, aren't we, with advertisements? You can't you can't walk down the street. You can't watch anything on TV, you can't go to any website, you can't even play a game sometimes on your phone, you got ads popping up all the time. You know, there's ads everywhere, all trying to get your attention, all trying to, to say, you know, you know, get this, buy this, do this. Everything is buying for your affection. And that's what the world is doing, it's trying to say, come on, pay attention to me. I want your attention. I want your focus. You know, your phone, um, your computer, the Xbox, Netflix, Disney Plus, Facebook, ESPN, RTE, all of our hobbies, etc. They're all vying for our attention, aren't they? And sometimes you wonder, I don't have enough time today. It seems like every, you know, by the time the day is over with, it's like, what did I do? What, did, what, what, have, what have I accomplished today? Sometimes the list is endless. Now, not all these are bad when used accordingly and appropriately. But oh, how often we struggle sometimes just to spend a little bit of time on them. It doesn't seem like, oh, I'm just going to check my Facebook real quick. And pretty soon it's 5, 10, 15 minutes. Some people, you start watching the videos, hour goes by. Two hours goes by, and pretty soon it's like, how did that happen? Because we, we let to have a little bit of our affection, and pretty soon it took that time away from us. 
And it's so easy to do. I mean, how often does it seem like we're just going to watch one episode of a TV show? Just one. You know, maybe you're, you're live streaming, you know, maybe Netflix or something like that. And that one episode ends up being three or four. Or sometimes you binge the whole series, take the whole day. Guilty, you know. <laughs> Isn't it so easy to do? And our flesh loves it. Our flesh loves it. But what did we do at that time? And it's gone. That time is gone. The one main reason that we struggle so much is because our flesh still remembers the world and it longs for the things that pleased it. You know, when you got saved, when you became, when you decided to become a born-again Christian, when you repented of your sin, you trusted Christ as your Savior. You know what got saved? was your soul. Your flesh didn't. Your flesh did not get saved. And so it is still a part of the world. It still has uh, has attachments to the world. And then now there seems like there's two battles that rage inside of you. Doesn't it? You want to do good, but sometimes it's like, it just seems like our flesh seems so powerful at times. The Apostle Paul dealt with the same thing. The great apostle Paul, probably one of the greatest Christians there were. And even see, he said he had troubles with his flesh. Or he desired to do the will of God, and there was times that he failed. And his flesh won. The reason why you have such a hard time is because your flesh still remembers the world, and it longs for it, and it loves it whenever we feed it whatever things are of the world. How, isn't it kind of interesting that we can watch a movie for an hour, two, three hours, and yet instead we go to read our Bible, it's like it's hard to even read for 10 minutes. Or, you know, sometimes we come to church and it's like, oh man, that's really long-winded. Man, that message was really long today. <laughs> But we can sit in front of a movie and we don't even think about it. You know, or if we try to spend time in prayer, and it's so difficult, isn't it? Because our flesh does not want to do it. Our flesh doesn't like to humble itself to God. Our flesh doesn't like to do spiritual things. It loves to do the things of the world. And that's where the struggle comes from. You know, our love should first and foremost, be upon God. There are so many distractions, and our love for God can become focused on other things. Isn't it so easy when we wake up in the morning and the first thing we think about is all the stuff I have to get done today? Or all of the stuff that we that, that's on our plate, or we, or we start thinking about all the things that um, are going on in our week, and and Sometimes it's very easy to not take that time and spend with the Lord because other things are pulling our attention, our affection away. You know, in the Old Testament, Israel constantly battled this problem. You know, they would start off great following the Lord, and then 
the call, the world will begin to start drawing them away. And then pretty soon they're serving false idols. And they're turning away from God and doing some wicked and horrible things and God has to bring judgment. And then it's a vicious cycle because then, then they'll get right with God and things will go well for a while and then they'll start, the world will start pulling them back away and they'll start torn, going against, they're going with the world and start getting back into their sin and it's just a vicious cycle. We read all throughout that in the book of Judges. Sometimes our lives are like that same way. We, you know, we can be pretty harsh on the, on the children of Israel saying, well, come on, you know, didn't you guys learn last time? How easy it is we fall in the same the same pattern, don't we? Sometimes we kind of get away from the Lord and we start focusing our attention on the world. The world starts uh, fulfilling our our desires and starts getting us into trouble. And then when we start really getting into trouble, that's when we go back to God. We start serving God for a while, and then the world kind of pulls us away again. We start focusing back on the world. We start making some mistakes again. And we get in trouble again, and then we get right with God again. It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? Children of Israel dealt with that as well. And it's so easy to do, isn't it? Because the world is always trying to pull our affection away from God. And that's ultimately where the cycle begins to, to go back. So this morning, I want to, to help you how to have the right affections. How can we have the right affections and not lose our focus, not lose, um, you know, our momentum for the Lord and not give in to our flesh? The first way is that we have to understand that the things of this world are not eternal. They're not eternal. Um, Everything that is in this world will one day perish. You know, think about, uh, this is um, Blarney Castle down um, in County Cork. At one day, it, it was lived in, it was thriving, and now it's a tourist spot. You know, millions of people come up, come there every single year to walk up to the battlements and to kiss a stone. That's what it's become. But back when it was first started or first built and created, people lived there. It was used as a, as a fortification. And now it's ruined, isn't it? All around us, even, even throughout different parts of the country, we see ruins of the past. You know, people who spent their lives and money building these forts and castles and churches and abbeys and other buildings and now all they are are heaps of stone. And sometimes people have no idea what they are. They see this old house that's just completely in ruin, or they see this old maybe church building and they wonder, I wonder what that was. Or they see a, maybe a tower building, there's only one wall standing. And you're like, I wonder what that used to be. There used to be history there. People used to be there. But now it is gone because everything in this world is going to perish someday. Look at 1 John 2.17. 1 John 2.17. And the world passed away. Well, verse number 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, uh, sorry, the lust of the eyes and the, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Turn with you went to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And verse number 19. Matthew 6, 19. Jesus here is speaking. And he says, lay not, up your, uh, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth, doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And here he gives a very important truth. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus explains to us that we're supposed to, to not lay up treasures on this earth, but we're supposed to lay up treasures in heaven. Well, what does that mean? What are treasures? You know, our treasures are not just our wealth. You know, sometimes I think, well, it's just, it's just my money. No. Sometimes it is, yes. But the treasures that God has given to you is not just talking about money or material gain. Sometimes those treasures are our time and our talents. The most valuable thing that you own, I want you to think about this, the most valuable thing that you own is your time. Is your time. It is the one thing that you can never get back. When you use that time for whatever it is, that time is now gone. And you can never go back and say, oh, I wish I would have done something differently. Oh, I wish I had that, that hour back. Oh, I wish I would have had that time back. It's gone. And every single one of us is given a limited amount of time. We don't know how much time we have. Some, God gives years and years and years. Some don't have as much time. And God calls them home earlier. We all have a very limited amount of time. We can breathe our last breath tomorrow and our time here would be finished. You know, as I said earlier today in our Sunday school time, uh, God could call us home today and our time would be finished, wouldn't it? Everything that we've done for the Lord, that's it. We're done. We can't do anything else. Our time has ended. It'll be finished. When I was living down in Ballancolic, we when we first got there, uh, we were living in a, an estate, and uh, one of our neighbors, um, you know, we were trying to to be a blessing, and and I think uh, either I think either I made some chocolate chip cookies, or Jennifer did. I'm not sure which which one of us did, but either way, we had made chocolate chip cookies, and we were kind of going around our neighbors just to introduce ourselves. You know, we were the new move-ins, and so we were just wanted to 
they get a chance to introduce ourselves to our neighbors. And um, we had heard about uh, a gentleman, and uh, he was an older gentleman. He had just lost his wife before we had gotten there. And, um, and so we wanted to be a blessing. We, we brought some of the cookies over to him. And he was still still grieving. And um, he wouldn't answer the door. He kind of called, but he opened the top window and he called down to us and wanted to know why we were there. And we told him that we just wanted to be a blessing, you know, give us some cookies. And, and so he just said, just leave him on the, on the porch there and he'll come down for him. And, um, and so anyway, this man had a beautiful front garden. I mean, I mean, he took a lot of time to really upkeep his front garden. It was it was very beautiful to see. Well, while we were there, you know, we tried other opportunities to, to drop in leaflets and just try to make contact. It just just never never worked out. And then one one day we find out that he died. He died, and um, and so I don't know if you ever made any kind of decision for the Lord. And a little, maybe a couple months later, somebody else bought his, his house. And when they came in, they completely tore out that whole front garden and paved it up. So all that he had invested in, making his, his front garden beautiful and, and caring for it, I mean, it was, it was immaculate. As soon as he was gone, the next person in just completely did everything, just took it all away. All that time, all that thing that he did with that front garden was all in vain. It didn't last, did it? Sometimes that's how we are. We put our focus and our times on things of the world, and we put so much time and effort into it. There's nothing wrong with making a garden look pretty. Nothing, I'm not getting that at all. Um, but sometimes we, we put all of our time in the world and we don't put our focus and our time on treasures that matter for eternity. And when our life is over and our and God, we stand before the, the, the judgment seat of Christ and, and all of our works and everything that we've done for the Lord, we're done with our life, are, are thrown into the fire, so to speak. How much is going to come through? How much is going to get burned up? Because it wasn't eternal. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Often we, we, we lay up our tr the treasures on earth and where the moth is going gonna, is gonna to eat it, the rust is going to destroy it, thieves are going to break in and steal it, and how the world focuses so much on those things. And, God, and Jesus is saying, look, you got the wrong affection, you got the wrong focus. Focus on these things instead. Lay up these treasures. I ask you, if you were, if today was the last day that you would live, that would you would live, would you have any treasure stored up in heaven? Have you made any difference in the kingdom of God? Have you done anything for the Lord with your life? Have you served God at all? What would your legacy be? When people come up here and we, we have funerals and things of that nature, what would your eulogy be? Would it be anything for the Lord? Would it be that you had top scores in a video game? You know, there's always someone that's going to be better than you. There's always going to be someone better. 
You know, records and ranks are meant to be broken. Every serious sport player dreams of being good enough to break records, don't they? To have their name etched in the echelon of, of greatness. You know, at least the good records. I know there's some records out there that some players wish their name was not associated with. <laughs> But that's what they strive for, isn't it? To one day reach the Hall of Fame. To one day be, you know, their name will be among the great sports players. But in the end, it's all going to be burned up. In the end, it's all going to be gone. It's vain and vanity. It's the wrong focus. What about your talents? Everyone here has different talents that you can use to serve God with. Can I ask you, what are you doing with them? Are you investing them with the right treasures? Are you developing them to make them better? Or are you just wasting them by not using them for the Lord? God wants to use you. He'd love to be able to use you. And there's some 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 talents here that I wish I had that God has given you with and he wants to use you with those talents and you can serve him with those talents where I just don't have those some here have got wonderful musical ability I can't sing the work to save my life some of you have some very beautiful voices both the guys and the ladies Use your voices. He gave them to us. Sing praise. God wants to use you. You may be good at a hobby, and you could probably make some money doing it. But if it's not being done for the Lord, sadly, it ultimately will be done in vain. Now, having hobbies is not bad. But when they consume all of your time, and make it so you, you just don't have time to serve the Lord, that's when it gets dangerous. Because then it now has become an idol in your life and it has to be cast out. Matthew 6, 21, again, Jesus was saying, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart and your affection is gonna be at. You know, people can tell what you like by what you spend your time doing. You know, if you were, say, attending all the football matches, I could probably guess that you liked football. <laughs> Especially if it was a particular team. I could probably guess that that person likes football. Or whatever it could be. Whatever you, you, you spend most of your time doing, you could probably easily guess that's, that's the things that you like. But where your heart is, that's where, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And serving the Lord should be a Christian's first treasure. Our desire. That should be our longing, is to be in church, to serve the Lord. And the people around us should know that that's the kind of testimony that we have. That we have one that we enjoy being around the people of God. 
I wonder why some of our church families do not come out on Wednesday nights for prayer meeting and Bible study. Now, I'm not here on Wednesday night because I'm over in, in Claire. I can't be here on Wednesday nights. So I don't even know who's here anyway. So I, I can say this without any guilty conscience whatsoever. Now, I know that there's some who want to be here. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about those who, who wish they could be here, be in Wednesday night, be in prayer meeting, and, and for one reason or another are not able to be there. That's different. But there are some that come to our church and they look at Wednesday night and there's no interest whatsoever. That's where we have to see there's a problem. That's where, okay, there's, there's something going on with their heart. Like I understand maybe there's some that have little ones or those that have to travel a great distance. What is more important than God on a Wednesday evening? Is it a match or a TV program? If you're that determined to watch it, you know, they make a, a, an amazing thing nowadays called DVR. You can record it and you can watch it when you get home from church. Yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> Super Bowl in America is huge. Huge. And I know a lot of people who skip church so they can watch the Super Bowl. And, uh, and I know churches who cancel church on Sunday night so that they they can go and watch the Super Bowl game. That's different. That, 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 there's a problem there. There's a problem there. And it's an obvious one that they've now allowed this to become an idol. And they're now worshiping that instead of God. Now, I know and I understand some have to work on Wednesdays. And I understand that schedules and shifts, they can be non-negotiable with employers. But I'm sure some choose to work on Wednesday evenings. Is it honoring God or is it honoring yourself? What is more important? Later in the chapter, Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. When you start making that choice to, to maybe work and put other things of higher importance than God, pretty soon it's always easier to incline those things rather than spiritual things. And after a while, it's going to start affecting your heart. What's, what's the, what the boss says, well, what about can you work for me on Sunday then? It's going to be easier to say yes. Things in this world are not eternal. They're not going to last. We have to have the right affection. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Secondly, this morning, you are dead to this world. You are dead to this world. You may not be physically dead, because your body is still pumping blood, your brain is still working, your heart is still, still with it, but spiritually, you are dead to this world. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. 
If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are what? Dead. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. As you look here, Paul is, is saying uh, some very convicting words. He says, if ye then be risen with Christ. In other words, he's talking to those, he's speaking to those who claim to be born-again Christians. And if you claim to be a born-again Christian, he is now telling you how you're supposed to live and to walk as a Christian. If you say that you are risen with Christ, it says, ye, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You're not physically dead, you're still breathing, but spiritually to this world, you are, are now dead to this world. Look at verse number two. It says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So what does it mean to set your affection on something? Uh, well, those of you who are married, okay? Those of you who are uh, maybe in a relationship or you're married, remember when you were first interested in your spouse and you started to want to get to know them. You know, maybe they caught your eye and you're like, I wonder, I wonder who they are. You know, I wonder what's all about them. I wonder, you, you start wondering and thinking about them. You start wanting to get to know them. You know, back in the old school, I know I'm in the old school here, but you would write letters. Maybe you'd talk on the phone, go out on dates. You were wanting to get to know them, and you enjoyed the pursuit, didn't you? You, you look forward to the, the time that you got to spend with them. You couldn't, you couldn't wait for the, the next opportunity that you got to spend or get to know your future spouse. With that mentality and thinking, focus that upon God. What did you want the most when you were courting your spouse or were interested in someone? You wanted to spend time with them, didn't you? You know, you either physically or you want, now we got FaceTime and video chat and all that stuff. I didn't have that really when Derek and I were recording. It was back in the old days <laughs> of the internet. And, uh, and so, but you want to spend that time with them, didn't you? And you need to spend time with God. And here's the thing, he wants to spend time with you. Those who are married, I want you to think about this. If you decided to pull away from your spouse for a few days, maybe a few weeks, how would your relationship handle it? Would it still be going good for a while? If you didn't talk to each other, say you didn't talk to each other for three, say three, four weeks. Now, some people would hear and say, wish that would happen sometimes, but, but joking aside, I'm being serious. Um, if you were to pull away from your spouse and have no communication with them for several days, several weeks, maybe several months, how would that affect your relationship? It would begin to kind of fizzle, wouldn't it? 
It would kind of uh, grow distant, grow cold. The life that was maybe once there would kind of start to, to die out, wouldn't it? In order to rejuvenate that, you'd have to spend quality time together, wouldn't you? You know, God's the same way. If the only time that you open your Bible is on Sunday and you don't have any time for God the rest of the week, do not be surprised that your relationship with God is lukewarm to icy cold and that church is just something you can tick off your list for. It affects our relationship when we don't spend time with God. And that's what the world wants to happen. Pull us away from spending time with God. Because the devil knows there's great victory, there's peace, there's comfort, there's joy for a Christian who spends time with God, who dwells with God. And the devil knows if he can get you away from God, and get you too busy for God, he knows it's going to affect your heart. And pretty soon that relationship that you have with God is going to be distant, it's going to be cold, and it's going to be not enjoyable. In order to have a great relationship with God and seeing him work in your life, you know it requires pursuing and desiring him each day. You know, those that were pursuing your, your spouse, you know, you kind of made your intention known, didn't you? That you're interested. But say you began to, to kind of say, well, I'm interested in you. And then you kind of like didn't talk to them for a couple months. They kind of be wondering, well, were they really interested in me? Or was it just a, you know, a passing emotion? Sometimes I think God feels that same way. You know, we, we, we spend a little bit of time with them and, and, and God enjoys that fellowship with us and then we kind of go away for a couple months. Go away for a little while. The guy kind of wonders, I thought you wanted to have a relationship with me. I thought you wanted to spend time with me. Jeremiah 29 verses 11 through 13 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your hearts. God wants you to pursue him. He wants you to, to have that desire to spend, to, uh, to take the time out of your day and, and ask God, show me something from your word today. Draw me closer to you. Show me something that, that teaches me about you today. Show me something that you have specially just for me today in your word. And read, looking, and asking God to show you something to draw you closer to him. Because he says, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. That's the key. Sometimes we don't seek it with all of our you know, we do our devotions and it's just kind of like a tick, you know, ticking off the list. Oh, well, I read my Bible that today, but I don't remember anything I read. 
Hosea 5.15 says, this is God talking to Hosea. He says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. How great God knows us, doesn't he? We just kind of walk away from God. We kind of go our own way. We start following our own, uh, the affections of this world. We kind of turn our back on God in a sense, you know. Not that we've abandoned him completely, but it kind of seems like that to his point of view. So he says, well, I'm just going to wait here for you then. I'm going to wait here until you come back to me. And when you realize that you've done wrong, and when you realize that you have, have done some, some serious things, then when you decide to seek my face, I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here. I'll be here waiting. I'm thankful that he still waits. Because sometimes we do that so often. He says, in their affliction, they will seek me early. Now he's talking here about the children of Israel. But how alike we are sometimes in our own hearts. You know, when we were pursuing our spouses, you know, we kind of started liking the things they liked, didn't we? You know, we started learning, oh, they like that. Interesting. <laughs> you know? Maybe something that we've never been exposed to before. You became interested in whatever they are interested in. Uh, I think I'm too Okay. Um, what is God most interested in? He's interested in the salvation of souls in reaching them, isn't he? You know, my wife exposed me to several things that I had never really been a part of before we got married. One of them was foreign cuisine. What I mean by that, I grew up, my dad was very much strictly a meat and potatoes kind of person. So, you know, we had, you know, usually it was a meat, vegetables, and potatoes. That was, that was all I knew growing up. I met Jennifer. Her family liked to go to Chinese. And they liked to go to Mexican. And I had never been to these places before. And I didn't know what to, I had no idea what was to order. What was even on, I had no idea what cashew chicken was. Or uh, General Sao's chicken. I had no idea what that was. You know? Um, or what an enchilada, or quesadilla. What is that stuff? You know. And so, but her family loved to to have these different different meals. And so, when I began to get to interest her, I went along with her to spend time with her, and she exposed me. And then and I found out, oh yeah, I like some of these things, especially white queso dip that is in Mexican restaurants in America. That is good stuff. Um, but you understand, as I got, so I wanted to spend time with Jennifer. And so I went and did things that were out of my comfort zone. I didn't know what I was getting myself involved in, but I began to like the things that, that she liked. And, and so, as you see here, we need to start liking the things that God likes sometimes and hating the, God, the things that God hates as well. You know, the things that you enjoy and cherish the most are what you devote your time to. You know, God would like to be included in that affection and should be the number one affection in our life. I know I'm going to get some people upset. 
When was the last time that you read your Bible every single day for a month? Think about it. When was the last time that you read your Bible every single day for a month? You know, today is the 11th of September. A third of the month has gone by. How much time did you read your Bible this year, or this month? How many days did you read it? Can I ask you, how often have you spent time in prayer this month? Can we just be honest, have you been bothered? Did it get away from you? You know, praying over a meal doesn't really count. I'm talking about when you go to prayer and you begin just to talk to God. Pour out your heart to God. Just spending that time with God. How often did you do that this month so far? And you wonder why God seems distant? You wonder why God kind of seems so far away? Because we're not pursuing Him. Our affection isn't upon Him. It's upon the world. And we wonder why we have no peace. We wonder why we have no joy. We wonder why we have no comfort. The Holy Spirit, His name is the Comforter. That's His job. But when we set our affections on the things of the earth, of the world, it grieves the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important to, to set our affections the things of, of, of God. That's what I love most about the Lord. He gives us another chance. You know, maybe you say, well, yeah, this month isn't going so well for me. I've been having some struggles this week. I've been having some struggles this month already. Maybe it's then that we need to kind of turn our heart and our affections a bit more to the Lord. Say, God, I want to spend more time with you this week. And do so. Look at verses 3 through 7. It says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, in order affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. You know, when you became a Christian, our old life and everything that went along with it was crucified with Christ. It was crucified with Christ including the lust of the world. You know, our lust is not just talking about physical attraction. You know, it's not just talking about that kind of lust. There's, I was just in a, a Bible counseling conference yesterday, and uh, the, the guy that was putting it on said there's 82 different lusts 
in the Bible. 82 different lusts that, that we have and can have that are all vying for our attention. And when we go after those lusts, that's when we start getting into trouble. You know, our lusts are always going to be trying to pull at you. But here's the thing. You don't have to listen or let yourself be pulled. Galatians 2.20, again, this is Paul writing. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 5, 24 and 25 says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We're, that's convicting. If they that are Christ, if we're the ones who have Christ, and they have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, Live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You know, here Paul is telling us to mortify or to put to death the wicked desires that come from our hearts even after salvation. I wish I could tell you that after salvation you're not going to have any problem with fornication, with uncleanness, with inordinate affection, with evil concupiscence, with covetousness, which is idolatry. Or if you're not going to have troubles with anger, and wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, lying. These are all things that we still deal with, don't we? Because of our flesh and the pull of the world. As we conclude, remember, you are dead in Christ and your life is now hid with Christ. He has given you the victory over your flesh. He has given you the victory over your sin. And he offers you a whole new possibility for life. You don't have to stay in the same rut that you feel like you're in. Or feeling hopelessness. Or feeling no peace. He offers you new possibilities for life. But there's conditions. One of those is we have to have the right affections. And when we put our affections the right way, other things begin to line up accordingly. So this morning is our application and invitation. Let's go ahead and just stand together and close our eyes and bow our head. I just want to speak to hearts this morning.